Um, do you guys know that feeling when you go to a birthday party or a baby shower? You know that one is coming up and you have to go and shop for a gift. Anybody know that feeling? Sometimes you know exactly what to get that person. If it's somebody that you really like have an affinity and you really know that person well, you know exactly like wh what to get that person exactly. But a lot of times you have no idea what to get them, right? Especially if like, it's a baby shower, oh, they already have everything, whatever. And you just don't know what to do. And so time passes by, right? And it's last second, it's down to the wire. And so the easiest thing that you can do at this moment is to go to the store and get yourself a gift card, right? A gift card, because after all, you can't go wrong with a gift card. You give the person, you know, maybe it's a gift card to their favorite restaurant, something that they like, you know, give them an Olive Garden gift card, Chili's gift card or whatever. Or maybe it's a gift card to like one of their favorite stores that they like to shop at or whatever, right? You give them that gift card or better yet, uh, just get a Visa gift card and just put a dollar amount on it, right? Definitely can't go wrong with that. You can go and get that anywhere. Anybody's ever done that before? Anybody's ever got a gift card, right? Now, how about this? I'm curious to know, in this room, who here has a gift card? You, maybe you have it in your wallet, in your purse, on you, or at home. How many of you have a gift card somewhere right now that has money on it? Anybody? <laughs> Junior does, Hunter. Okay, of course. I do, too. I got some gift cards at home. But here's the thing about gift cards. If you have a gift card that has money and it's just sitting in your wallet or sitting on your nightstand, what good is that gift card, right? They're great only if you use them. But if you keep the gift card in your pocket or in your wallet or tucked away somewhere on a nightstand and it goes unused, then what good is the gift? I did a little research about this and check this out. Bankrate.com, they did a poll this year, 2021 in July, and they discovered that 51% of the people that they polled had an unused gift card. 51% of people that have gift cards with money on them have it unused. And they went ahead and they took one step further and they calculated the value of the unused gift cards. Anybody want to take a guess? Billions? Any guesses? Hundreds, thousands, millions? $15.3 billion of unused gift cards. $15.3 billion dollars of gift, gift cards are sitting collecting dust in somebody's wallet on a nightstand somewhere unused today we're talking about spiritual gifts and what's the connection to the gift cards well you know like gift cards many of us we're living our lives without utilizing the spiritual gifts that god has given us like gift cards many of us have spiritual gifts given to us by the holy spirit and we have it hidden we have it tucked away, and we have it unused. What's a spiritual gift? In case you, you, you don't know, maybe it's the first time you hear it or whatever, or you're unfamiliar with the term, we have a working definition for you guys. I have it on the screen here. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to followers of Jesus for the glory of God, the good of the church, and to minister to the world. That's what a spiritual gift is. And this is something that everyone here, if you are a follower of Jesus, by the grace of God and through the Holy Spirit's power, everyone has spiritual gifts. And God gives us these gifts in order so we can serve one another. If you read the scriptures primarily to those of us here in the church, we're given these gifts so that we can serve one another, to serve the person sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. And yet so often, these gifts go unused. 
wanted to read for you guys what Paul mentions about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and then we're going to read verses 4 and 6. It's there in your notes. Look at what Paul says. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be what? What does that say right there? Unaware. Here's what Paul is saying. He's like, guys, I'm going to talk to you about spiritual gifts, and I don't want you to be clueless. I don't want you to be unaware about this thing. It's like Paul is saying, hey, what I'm about to mention, what I'm about to talk about, the spiritual gift things is very important, and many of you are going around your lives, your, spirit, your Christian lives, without accessing it. And he would go on to say in verse 4, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. The picture that Paul paints here is that as followers of Jesus, we are distributed varied spiritual gifts in order to serve one another and to minister to our world. And collectively, when we work together as a local body, as a local church, we're like a well-oiled machine with different parts, but working together for the glory of God and the good of others. And as your pastor... I don't want you to be unaware of this. And this part of the reason is why we're doing this series, why we're doing this series on the ghost, because I don't want us to be unaware. As a church, we cannot afford, afford to have you unaware or inactive or with your spiritual gifts hidden. In other words, if you have a gift card that's sitting on the counter, that's fine. But your spiritual gifts, I don't want you to do that with that. You are needed. It is necessary that you activate, that you utilize your spiritual gifts. So for the rest of the time, I invited Hunter, and he's going to help us understand a few of these gifts. And so as we talk about these gifts, I want to encourage you to try and find where yours might be. Now Hunter's going to help us look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. So if you have it in your notes or in your Bibles, you can open up there. And he's going to read that for us. He's going to walk us through some of these spiritual gifts. So, um, yes, we're going to look at Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Uh, just say, got it when you're there. Got it. Me too. Okay. So I'm going to read this for us. It should be on the screen. Um, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching... The one who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation or encouragement. The one who contributes in his generosity. The one who leads with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um, so this, this verse, uh, Paul's just really hammering home. One, uh, we do have gifts. It's not if we have a gift, but, but which gift do we have? If you're a reborn new creation. Um, God has wired and designed us with certain attitudes, motivations, skills, and all of these things are, that are things that make up our spiritual gifts. Um, and some, some gifts we may know about, and you're like, I know mine. Uh, and some gifts you're like, I, know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I might have this, might have that. So that's what we're going to unpack today. I'm going to break down with the, all of the um, spiritual gifts that Paul just mentioned. We're going to go through those quickly, uh, I hope. Um, <laughs> So the first gift we get to is prophecy. I think that's going to be up there. You can write that down. Number one, the first gift is prophecy. Um, now, when we read a word like that, we might squirm a little bit. I don't know if someone just got hot. I don't know what, you know, prophecy. We don't hear this word every day. 
Um, you know, it's not like, oh, hey, I heard this prophecy the other day, or like, did you see the prophecy on the news? Like, it just doesn't happen. We don't have that in our context today. Um, so it's just not familiar. But in the Greek, um, yeah, I just said that. In the Greek, we, uh, I find it's just you, you can figure out what he's trying to say uh, in the in the time that he wrote it. So this, I have the uh, on the on the screen the, the definition in the Greek, the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. So I just really like that definition because prophecy, we we can think we can kind of let our minds wander. What is he talking about prophecy? Are they talking about like in the movies where they have the big glowing ball and then we're just saying random things over it or what's going on? Um, but I like this one because. Um, it's very precise. It's not just just teaching or it's not just predicting the future. It's a gift that's used to communicate revealed truth, quote, revealed truth. Um, and not only that, but it, uh, to communicate it with such certainty and boldness that it forces whoever you're telling that revealed truth to, it makes them stop and listen. And so um, what I think about when I think of the prophecy, we're thinking about uh, prophets of the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Ezekiel. Or in the New Testament, John the Baptist, um, at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, many were prophesying, the Bible says. So what, is this, what does this mean? Does this mean they're just, like, falling out? or You know, what are, we, our minds can run wild, but I don't think so. I think what, and this is what Paul says, um, is that it's, it's this conviction, this deep, revealed truth that it's a gift. You can't muster it up. You can't fake it. It's a gift that God puts on, on, on the believer. And, and that's whenever we start to have this really strong conviction that you must say this, whatever this revealed truth is, to others. Um, so Paul is in the text saying, if you've been given the gift of prophecy, of being gifted and communicating boldly, lean into it. Now, he noticed, he says, with, with the, in proportion to your faith. So not everyone's going to have the same, you know, level of, of faith. That's just what the text says. So lean into it with however much faith you have been given. Um, and that's, you know, that's as simple as it, as, as it sounds. Um, if we feel this revealed truth, if we feel this burning on our hearts to communicate something, um, that's what Paul is saying. Use it. Lean into it. Now, how we're, you know, for each of these gifts, we're going to explain the gift. We're going to talk about how does it function? How do we use it in the church or in the world? Um, you know, why it's important. So how does this help others? How does prophecy help others? So have you ever received, like, in your life as a Christian, a strong urge from the Holy Spirit or God to speak into someone's life or, or like, say something, maybe it seems random to them about uh, their pain or, or whatever circumstances they're going, to, going through? Um, this, this could be uh, kind of a leaning of the prophecy where if you feel, um, like, I don't know why I want to say this to you, but I just feel that, like, God has told me, like, you know, you're going to make it through. You're, you're, you're being truthful. You're using the scripture. You're not saying anything. You know, if you've ever heard, you know, receive those lean, these, these urges or, or leanings of the Holy Spirit to do that, um, consider, you know, learning a little bit more about this gift. God may have, has, have given you this gift. Um, I think it's one of the more neglected gifts, but I think the church definitely needs this gift. We don't need to be scared of prophecy in our churches. We should long for it. And to add to that, many who have been given the gift of prophecy, sharing God's heart and wisdom with others, had to be near, ha, they have to be near the throne of God to hear God's whisper. So how do we, you know, reveal truth? And, you know, what does that mean? That means, like, people who, are, who have the gift of prophecy should be really, really have, have this intimate, um, you know, relationship with God where they're able to hear, you know, even his whisper. Um, so that's, that's prophecy. It's, it's, it's kind of this you know, 
I, to me, it's this gift that it seems like untouchable or it's kind of weird or far off, but I, I think it's, it could be way more practical than we make it. <clears throat> and we have to be open to um, the possibility that we have this gift and we need to begin to use it. The next gift we have is number two. Junior, you can put that on the screen. Serving, service. So this one's pretty straightforward. How is it used? Um, I like this. It says, those who have the gift of service see and meet practical needs. Notice it's, I said it, people who have this gift see and meet. Um, I think it's quite easy for all of us to simply see gaps or shortcomings, right? We can all point out. Who, who's good at pointing out flaws? Me. We can all point it out. Um, that's crooked. This isn't right. This is too hot. It's, we can all point out gaps or flaws. But people who step in the gap and meet those practical shortcomings or falls, uh, that, that's, that's someone who has the gift of service. They're stepping into the brokenness, the messed up thing to fix it, to fill it. And <clears throat> we see Jesus over and over again on his time on earth embody this spiritual gift. He washes feet of, of all of his disciples. He just heals people, walks down the road and heals people. There's a, there's a gap, there's a shortcoming, there's a, something wrong here, and he steps in to serve. Um, he also provides more wine at a party when it ran out. Amen? He, we, you know, we need, he needed to serve the party. Jesus had a keen awareness of the needs of others, and he never backed down from these things, um, and neither should we. So how does this play out in the church? How does this help us? How does this help the world? When I think about how I see service play out in the church, there are many instances that come to mind, but the most recent one um, I can think of, I just lost my spot. I forgot. Hold sorry, y'all. Um, the most recent one I can think about is um, the floods recently that just happened in New York, uh, Hurricane Ida. Um, a lot of people in Queens and Bushwick, too, their basements were flooded, um, like crazy, unprecedented flooding, right? Um, there is a church plant, that, and actually two church plants we were really good friends with in Queens and Astoria, and uh, like the day of the storm, the pa both pastors of each of these church plants, actually, their houses and they're flooded. And so the next, literally the next day, as many people that have, I've seen go to, that go to their church dropped everything they were doing, were at their house digging up, you know, helping shovel out, ripping down walls. Um, there was uh, actually another member of one of those churches that her, um, her son actually had cancer and he just got out of remission the day before and then her house flooded. She lived in a basement. Everything she had gone. It was immediately gone. She lost everything. And so I saw the church step in. I got to witness these people stepping in to, it doesn't matter, dropped everything. We're going to help Candace. And so um, I think this is, this is sounds, it sounds like heroic, but it's really sacrificial and it's hard to, to serve. Like this isn't easy stuff we're talking about. It's not convenient. You're not going to be like stumbling into service. You're like, oh, look at me. I'm serving at the food pantry. That's crazy. You gotta, it's got to be an intentional thing. Um, it's not fun or glamorous, but it is the way of Jesus, and it, it builds his church, our faith, and his kingdom. It builds his church, our faith, and his kingdom. The next gift is number three, teaching. How is it used? The spiritual gift of teaching can be used to build up the church in many ways. Um, it is used effectively when it clearly communicates the range of scriptures, and the story of God in an understandable and heart-piercing way. So any brainiacs out there love to read, love to write, um, this might be your gift. Uh, if, if you can break down uh, an entire section of scripture or literature or anything, a movie, it does, you know, and you want to explain this to people, 
the, these urges are part of the gift of teaching. Someone who has the gift of teaching will not only be able to teach, but will do it, uh, as the scripture said, to its fullest. And will find actually great joy in using this gift to illuminate hearts and minds. Again, we look to Jesus, by the way. I, this is something I was, was studying. If you think about it, Jesus has all the spiritual gifts. We have some, right? None of us have every single spiritual gift. I, at least I don't. I don't know if anybody else does. Jesus has every single spiritual gift. Um, you know, we, the ones we're going to go through. So the way Jesus taught, I would say Jesus is a good teacher. People who are atheists would say Jesus is a good teacher. He was very, like, compelling. He was very interesting to listen to. He literally had thousands of people just piled up on mountains just to hear him speak. Um, and it was because of his gift of teaching. In his teaching, he would never, like, belittle people or make them feel dumb because they didn't know an answer, right? You know, he, you see that over time in Scripture. Jesus being like, so, Peter, you know, what's, what's the deal? And Peter's like, I love you. And he's like, no, but do you love me? And so, you know, we have these instances where Jesus is, he's not belittling you. He, he's bringing us along, and a good teacher does that. Um, in a very humble way. Um, he would gently lead them with a story or a parable. And, and wasn't Jesus a good storyteller? He taught and preached the most famous sermon ever preached, um, the Sermon on the Mount, this message, um, where we get the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is awful. And one, one little message he's taught that we get all of this rich theology and, and, and just we can see into his gift of teaching. Now, how does teaching, that was, you know, just pointing you to Jesus, but how does people, how does it help others? So have, has anyone, like, had a really good teacher, um, whether Christian or not, and, like, you just, like, you could listen to them for an hour and never, like, lose, like, distraction. They were very engaging. They, they had good jokes, and they were, they were able to bring you along. Um, I know that there have been teachers in my life who I've read or listened to, and I'm just, like, blown away by, like, how, how do they even understand anything like this? Like, how, how are they even... How they read that many pages in, in, a, in 10 minutes or something. When those who are gifted in teaching exercise their gift, it's not to puff themselves up, but to use their teaching to encourage and help the rest of the church get a glimpse of God and, and, and of the greatness of God. So who, people who have the gift of teaching will not use that to make themselves look good, but will use it to make God look amazing and great. So a good teacher who has a spiritual gift will leave their students and the congregation not saying, wow, he's a good teacher, but they're going um, to leave the church saying, wow, he pointed me to the greatness of God. I don't know how he did it, but I, I, my heart is filled up with Jesus right now. That's what a good teacher will do. We need strong teachers in our churches to help us grow in the knowledge of God and let that knowledge, not just knowledge, because a lot of teachers, a lot of people, we can get stuck on the knowledge part and get really like prideful in our knowledge, but let that take root in our heart so then what could happen then? We can be the church to the world. Knowledge to the heart. Move it out to the world, to the streets. So um, I remember a story about my dad. He was probably, I mean, he, he might have been the dumbest kid in school, in high school, but I don't, almost the dumbest. He wasn't dumb. He was just lazy, and he liked my mom. So he had really bad grades. He's a really smart guy. Um, but uh, I remember this story where he, it was his senior year, he couldn't, uh, he didn't graduate high school. He did, he, he, he had to, he missed a failed English or something. But, like, I'm on the way. He uh, had to go back in, like, summer school. Imagine going to summer school your senior year after you graduated high school. That would be awful. That's what he had to do. Um, and, again, it's not because he was dumb. It's just because he was just, he didn't care about things of knowledge or school or any kind of academics, anything. Um, but as he he became part of a church, and slowly he became a disciple, he became a Christian, and like, this is his whole story throughout his 20s. 
Eventually, he gets into youth ministry. He starts teaching a little small group, and then they ask him teach, uh, to teach the big group. And eventually, he starts realizing, wait, like, I think God's gifted me with teaching. Um, and so I, get, I say this. Now, now he's, we've, you know, he's been helped plant a church that he now leads as the lead teaching pastor. Um, so it's, just, it's crazy to think like, how that transformation that God can do. This is an example of one of those things where you may not know that you had that gift, but the more like you spend time with Jesus or the more the Holy Spirit is able to work on you, like it uncovers that, what's, what's actually in you. And I, he would say that he, there was no way you told him in high school that he would be a lead teaching pastor, a pastor at it, going to seminary, none of that stuff. And so all that to say, don't count out a spiritual gift. Don't read one of these gifts and say, not me, um, because um, you might uh, find that to be not true uh, in the future. So that's, the te- that's teaching. <clears throat> the next gift we get to is encouragement um, or exhortation, as the passage says. So as Christians, I don't know if you guys have figured this out yet, um, and I believe this to be true, but we are equally, if not more susceptible to discouragement, depression, isolation, and apathy uh, as any other person out there. Would anybody disagree with me on that? So as for the gift of encouragement, the church, this church, needs you. We need encouragement. So how is this gift used? The gift of encouragement is something we literally cannot muster up. You're not going to just be like, all of a sudden, I'm just going to reach deep within me and be encouraging. Um, I would bet that the Apostle Paul had the gift of encouragement. And, and just the reason why is I can hear it in most of everything he writes, um, the longing in his voice to give encouragement to these people, to the churches. So I just have this verse we're going to go through. Just so I, you just now imagine we're talking about encouragement. It's really long, but just it's to, it's to show, listen how encouraging he is. I always thank my God for you. He's writing to the church in Corinth, just a group of people like us. I, I, I always uh, thank God for you and the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. So... These, the way he just encourages the church, like, Paul's, Paul's, like, probably in prison right now, just got beat, and he's like, I have to write the letter. You know, like, I, I don't know about you, it's not me. I, I, I have to pray for this, this kind of movement in my heart. So the way Paul goes so far to make sure that people know that they matter to God and to him, uh, the way he doesn't just give them empty words, that's not what encouragement is. We're not going to say, God bless you, that's not encouragement. Um, it's not empty words, but rather well-thought-out truths of God. His encouragement is, what is it always centered on? How many times do you see Jesus or Christ in that? About three or four, right? Every encouragement he gives is centered on Jesus, on the gospel. So as you're it, well, leaning into this, in, this gift of encouragement, think about Jesus, and this is and center it on Jesus. Um, use it. Don't think it's weird. If you, if it, it'll be uncomfortable. It may be. Okay, lean into this encouragement. The next gift, four, this is the fourth one. Don't worry, we only have seven. Giving, I'm going to blow through these next one. Uh, this gift, some of us just tensed up when I said that. You said, okay, here it comes. I got, here's the spill about giving my money away, and uh, I got to give more to the church. And um, No, uh, the gift of giving is not about losing anything, but attaining so much more. Yes, 
Jesus said, it's on the screen. No, I, did, I actually didn't put that one. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You hear that a lot at Swerve. That's what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So now we don't give our money or give our time or whatever to get. But when we give, the gift of giving is not about losing anything. Like other spiritual gifts, giving is part of building up the body. We are all members using our gifts to build up the body. So some of you may not have the spiritual gift of giving. We still must be generous. Just like we must serve, just like we must encourage, just like we're all going to be teaching one day. So if you just tuned out and we're like, I don't have that one, I'm good. Uh, we still have to be generous. We still have to serve. We're, not, we're all going to have these elements, um, and you may have stronger gifts than others. Some people are wired to give, though. I had a friend once who was so generous, like he would literally give me the clothes off his back. And I, like that's a, that's like a cute people say that oh he would give you the he would give you the shirt off of his back literally I'd be like Ray I love that shirt and he'd be like it's yours he would just give it to me right there and I'd be like like just wash it or you know can you we I'll take it but he was just so generous um, that he would just tell me to have it he gave me I literally I think he gave me like three shirts and two hats and he only lived in our town for like a year um, so that's something small that's just like a hat or a shirt. But um, the level of our generosity will be evident in the smallest acts of our lives. So I'm going to say that again. The level of our generosity will be evident in the smallest acts of our lives. He just, all he did was give um, a hat to me. But in that small, like, it, it, it is so fundamental. Um, we need generous people in the world. We need uh, generous people to see uh, on the outside, see the church being crazy with their money and crazy with their time, people will be like, what's going on? Just like they did in um, the birth of the first church. The next gift is leading. We've all heard that saying that, you know, we're all leaders. You're, always, you're a leader to someone. And that is true for the most part. However, this spiritual gift we will find all over our churches. The gift of leadership isn't primarily a task-oriented uh, gift. So we think of leadership like, oh, they, they get stuff done. They, you know, that's what we think about leadership. They know what they're doing. They're the ones making things happen. But um, I, saw, I was reading an article, and they were saying that a good leader is not task-oriented, but relationship-oriented. Um, and our main text we're looking at, Paul writes, to the one who leads, it said, what did it, you guys remember what it said, lead with? Lead with zeal. So he's saying, so there's this connection between leadership and zeal, and like, like this enthusiasm, Right? And that has nothing to do with task or, 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 you know, getting things done or administration or anything. This is like he's saying if whoever leads, um, they're going to motivate others with their zeal, their enthusiasm that they have for those that are leading. So we've all had uh, examples of good and bad leaders. Some leaders threaten and use their temper to get people in line, right, or motivate them. Um, have you ever had a boss or teacher uh, or leader like this? You were, like, walking on eggshells, like, trying to do whatever they want and... Um, trying to please them, that, that is an example of a bad leader. Um, but, a, but a leader filled with the Holy Spirit will lead others like Jesus, not forcefully, but with a quiet, still power about them, right? You just know, you've met those people in your life. You're like, I don't know why I'll follow them off a bridge. I, they, you know, they're, not they're not making me do anything. I just, I just am drawn to that person. Um, those with the gift of leading will be visionary. They're always thinking about what could be, right? If you find yourself thinking about that. Oh, like, we should do this. We could do this. You, you have the gift of leadership. Um, for, for families, for the church, for the world, they're always thinking like that. Find, um, 
they will always find people around them who lock arms with them. So a leader will always have a circle of people around them that, that you can make them, you know, like that people are, are around. So if we have this gift, we have to steward it well, not using that leadership for our own purposes, right? But for the kingdom. This is how we align ourselves with the leadership of Jesus. He didn't beg anyone. He, he said, hey, come, come follow me. Twelve people came. Jesus wasn't mad. Only twelve. Um, the next gift, so that's leading. The, ne the, the next and last gift that we'll go through today is mercy. Uh, I need this one. Um, so I think this is one of those gifts that um, I really wish God gave me, like I said. Um, but far too often I find myself quickly judging others, sitting on my throne of self-righteousness. And if someone wrongs me, you can forget it. They're done. You're out. Of, you're out. You lost. Too bad. You'll never, you'll never get back in my circle again. Anybody else feel that way? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, the gift of mercy is one of those spiritual gifts that I think really, it, it has to be a miracle of the Holy Spirit for, for people to really receive the gift of mercy. And to, to you, they may receive it, but to really flex it and use it. Um, so when I was thinking about how, how can I illustrate the gift of mercy, I thought of um, this story. And this is where I'll wrap up. Um, it's a story of a horrible tragedy. I know, like, why, Hunter, are you going to bring us down? But it's because the mercy at the end of the story is amazing. I think of a story of a horrible tragedy that happened in Charleston, South Carolina. Some of you are going to remember this. In 2015, a young, white, disturbed male walked into a church Bible study of an African congregation uh, on a Wednesday night, a scene that really looked just pretty much like this, where we are today. Imagine you're sitting here. Someone walks in the back. Um, He's like, can I join the Bible study? Yeah. So we sit in a circle. We're studying the Bible. So he came. But this, this guy who came was actually locked and loaded with guns and ammunition. He sat through the entire Bible study with church members who welcomed him with open arms for more than an hour as they studied the scriptures all together. When the study came to a close, the stranger pulled out his gun and began firing on churchgoers, yelling racial epithets and mocking their faith. He killed nine members of the church, including the pastor that night. So that's, this is just a horrible tragedy that we can't really comprehend, right? You can't imagine. This is a, this is a setting it was right here. Um, we can't comprehend that. But if we follow that story, that's not the end of the story. If you know the end, the follow that story to the end, we find it, we, we, what we find is a radical uh, move of Holy Spirit with the gift of mercy. So not too long after the shooting, family members of those who died that night went together locked arms together, uh, spoke to this, to this shooter, faced him in, in his jail cell, and publicly forgave him for the heinous act that he did. And then they sincerely meant it. They said, you can, we'll never be able to talk to this person again, but we want you to know we forgive you. Like, can you, I can't imagine. They, you know, this is like, a, it's a radical, radical act of mercy. Um, because he, mercy is getting something. Is mercy is not getting something you do deserve. You steal from the store you deserve to get thrown in jail. But mercy says the store says I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna press charges. Please don't steal again. That's mercy. You're not you're not getting something that you do deserve. That guy didn't didn't deserve their forgiveness. He didn't. But they gave it to him. And this is mercy. This is great mercy. So I tell you this story not to make you sad, although it's a truly sad story. Uh, but it's a story of great mercy and forgiveness. Only the Holy Spirit and the mercy of God can compel these victims' families to do such a thing. So pray for this gift. Ask God for it. Because, if, because we had great mercy shown towards us, right? We, we, 
We didn't get something that we deserved, which was death, right? As broken sinners, we, we can show this mercy to our broken world. So we were shown mercy as broken sinners. Now we can show mercy to a broken world. So those are the gifts, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, and mercy. It's a lot to take in. What do I do with all this, Hunter? Here are a few practical applications. Number one, ask God, uh, this one's going to be on the screen, ask God to show you your gifts and your devotions. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what he has given you as a part of the kingdom. We all have a part to play. Number two, examine what you enjoy. What do you like to do? What do you do well? What do you find yourself doing? Who are you around? Some of us may already be exercising our gifts and we don't even know it. Do you always take the initiative at work with your team? Maybe you have the gift of leadership. Do you love talking to others, hearing their struggles, and speaking back into them? Maybe you have a gift of encouragement. Whatever gift we talked about today that made you go, wait, I don't know. I might, I might have that. I, I see where that goes. Um, this, this, these are how you, you, we begin to wonder, what, what, what is my spiritual gift? Where, where do I play the role? The last thing, uh, practical application, is take a spiritual gifts test. Um, it's kind of like a personality test, but with biblical under, underlying. So this is a really good practical way. You can just, you can, it's like a, you know, it talks about w what you like to do. Go, you can go to spiritualgiftstest.com, uh, I think. It's just spiritualgiftstest.com. So before I invite Danny back up, this is the last thing I'll say. I'll leave you with these questions, and I just kind of took the verse that we were building off of and just made a question out of it. And it says, we all have different gifts that God's given us. We must use them. Not, it's not an if. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Then boldly speak the words God's given you. Do you have the gift of service? Then fill the gaps and shortfalls that you see in your midst. Do you have the gift of teaching? <clears throat> then share your knowledge with humility and passion. Do you have the gift of encouragement? Encourage us. We need it. Do you have the gift of, of giving? Get generously give and show us how to do it also. Do you have the gift of leadership? Lead with vision and from relationships. Do you have the gift of mercy? Lean into the brokenness. It's so important, guys, that once you're able to identify what's your spiritual gift, that you don't leave it in your pocket or in your wallet collecting dust bunnies or on your shelf, that you put it into practice and that you utilize it. Don't let your spiritual gift go unused. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 says. It says, just as each one has received the gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ and everything. Here's what the author is saying, that each and every single one of us, that we have a spiritual gift and that we have a responsibility and a job to put it into practice and to use it to serve one another and to serve others. And that when we do that, Jesus will get the glory. And this is the big takeaway that we all need to take from here from today. I want you guys to hear my heart for you and to listen to the need that we have that only you can meet. We need every single one of us actively utilizing our God-given gifts for the glory of God, for the good of the church, and for the good of others. What good is it if God hand-chose you and bestowed upon you a gift, a precious, a special, a necessary gift, and then to have it there, sit there, and do nothing. Something that is so valuable, something that is so special, that is so important, that needs to be used. Are you using your gift? Guys, we're getting ready to move into this new space, and Lord willing, next week, 
We might have our first uh, service there before our grand opening. And as we move into our new space, I'm trusting God that, that, that he's going to utilize this new space uh, to help serve more people and to help reach more people. However, I believe that God will do that to the extent that we as a church are willing to activate our gifts and use them to serve others. Otherwise, why would God bring people to us? If we are not being good stewards of God's gifts, then I truly believe he'll send people somewhere else where they could, be, where they could grow and where they could be served better. Likewise, if it's just a select few that are utilizing their spiritual gifts, then there's a disparity. There's a weight distribution problem which will cap us from experiencing the fullness of what God wants to do in and through us. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, so don't let it go unused. Instead, use the gift, use your gift for the glory of God, the good of the church, and to minister to others. Now, the list that we went through today is just one section of scripture. There's a lot more encouraging. If you want to go Google and do a little bit more research about that, maybe we can do another series where we break apart even more. There's different passages that talk about different gifts. But I think it's a good um, starting point for us. And I encourage you this week as you pray, right now as we pray, just ask God, God, what are my spiritual gifts? Some of you know what your spiritual gift is. Then you need to ask God, then you need to ask God to help you or ask the Holy Spirit to help you utilize those gifts to serve others, to wake up those dormant gifts and to use it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us these gifts. I want to pray, God, for my brothers and sisters here today. God, that you would help us to identify um, what, what gifts we have and to utilize them for your glory and for your honor, God. And I pray that you would help us Help us prepare and help us be ready for what you want to do, God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be a people that just idly sit by, lazily sit back, God, and, and, and not actively pursue what you have in store for us. God, I pray that instead we would be a people full of faith. God, that we would be locked and loaded, that we would be ready, God, for whatever it is that you will bring our way, and that we wouldn't grow lackadaisical or lazy in our faith. God, that we would be ready, Father, to, to, to go and to serve the people in this community, to love and serve others, to share the hope of the gospel that we have experienced, uh, Father, and to be able to push back and to storm the gates of hell for your glory and honor, Lord. So please help us do this today and help us activate, God. If we've been dormant, Lord, in our spiritual gifts, then, uh, Lord, I pray that we may uh, have a spirit of... Of, 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 of pleading you and asking you for forgiveness for and Lord that instead that we wake up and actively pursue God what you have in store for us because I know your heart and what you want Lord is for so much better so much greater God so help us to walk in faith and to honor you every step of the way in Jesus name